Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 158. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the award-winning illustrator and storyteller, Hana England of StudioHana.com. Yeah, it's nice to be back here. <laughs> yeah, Hana, how you doing? I am doing pretty well. My hair is much longer and a lot less pink than it was last time. I think it was yeah. pink last time, right? I think, I, I think so. Yeah, you were, and you, and you're, 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 you're hit. You're hitting the convention scene now. Looking at your website, mm-hmm. you've already gone to one convention so far this year, right? Yeah, yeah. Going to conventions like pre-COVID, I would oh. go to ones that were super close, close to me. Um, so that I wouldn't have to worry about getting hotel rooms. The overhead just shoots straight up as soon as you have to spend money on hotel and everything. Right. So um, I'd go stay in places where there was family or friends or something. I would just sleep on their couch and then wake up early and go to the conventions. Uh, <laughs> and I, I really liked doing that, but I think I wasn't sure about my style right. and about my the, the content that I was making, I was happy with what I made, but at the same time, not, not fully feeling it. And now that I've been playing more with my style and finding something that really works for me, I'm a lot more excited about going to conventions, but I had to go to that first one. It's right. been a couple of years um, since the beginning of 2020. I really haven't gone and done any conventions. And so um, I got, very nervous about them again. It's like getting out of practice doing something. I I suddenly got really like, oh no, what am I going to do? Like you've done this before many times. You know how to go to a con and present your things and set up. It's not that hard. It's fine. But it was, it was kind of scary. So I needed to go to one. And then as soon as I did, I remembered why I like going to them so much and immediately went home and signed up for like 11 different conventions and (laughs) 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 caught the bug again. So what, so how was it? How was it? Like you said, how was it kind of getting back into the swing of things? Was there a bit of dipping your toes in the water? And I thought it was going to be a lot more difficult than it was. So like I said, I was really nervous for a little while. And, but as soon as I got there, it was like, Oh yeah. I'm used to this. This is set things up. I sit down, I smile at people, I chat about artwork. Like it's, it's a good time. So, I mean, one of my favorite things about going to cons, whether I'm a, um, a vendor or whether I'm just there walking around is talking to other creators. I think that's what got me so like jazzed afterward was the fact that I had talked to other artists, you know, people I had had um, met before and really liked their work or people whose work I'd never seen before and was really excited about the part that gets me the most excited. Um, Mm. And then of course, meeting people who are excited about my work always makes me feel really happy too. And I go home and I'm like, I'm going to make more art because they liked it. It was really nice. (laughs) (laughs) What, What are some of the differences that you've seen in a pre post COVID world? Cause we're not totally post. So we're like, like a pre post COVID world. I, I want to say a lot more masks, except that's not even true because people right. have been wearing masks at anime conventions for a long time, just for like fashion. Right. Um, so w- weirdly wasn't that different. 
I think that there were a lot of people who were really excited to come back to mm -hmm. doing social events again. Mm -hmm. So they were still like a pretty decent crowd showed up and um and that was was very nice um like from a money perspective it wasn't that great and mm. i can confirm that with the other people that were around me too we were sort of like talking shop afterward and we're like yeah this is kind of a dead zone by the time people get to us they've already spent all of their money and the celebrities are over there and all the interesting things are over there and they've kind of like put us in this little corner space so that mm. wasn't that wasn't super great but the rest of it was it was like any other convention that i've been to in the before times you know <laughs> a lot of uh shop talk about artwork and cons and nerdy geek fun stuff that everybody enjoys i still enjoyed it like it cons don't necessarily have to be super lucrative for me because i do have a, a full-time job that pays my bills I have a little bit more space to enjoy myself, even when I don't make like a ton of money going to one of these. And um, so, you know, I still left feeling pretty positive just because of the human interaction and the, the art talk and stuff. Looking forward okay. to other ones. I have another one coming up this, uh, this not this upcoming weekend, the weekend after that. And I'm still that, that one too. <laughs> April 30th, so that the Shenandoah <laughs> Comic and Toy Show. Yep. Okay. I believe it's the first the first one they're doing in that location. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because you just went to, so yeah last last month you went to GalaxyCon in Richmond, mm -hmm. Virginia. Mm -hmm. okay. You're at the point where you can have your really kind of like hone in on what your style and what your theme and what your brand is. Do you see what are some tips and advice that you would give to other folks when it comes to finding a convention or finding a a place that matches your brand? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, so specifically about finding conventions and shows and things, right? That are right. There or, are, or other, or other venues, I guess as well. Yeah. Mm, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know any super specific websites for this because they're all kind of different and different levels of, quality but if you look up lists of conventions and art shows and um collaborative art festivals and things in whatever area you're in you can often find lists um and then you can use those to sort of research who or like research which conventions and shows you might be interested in um it's kind of good to do this really far in advance because a lot of shows you have to be signed up like months before the show happens or you can't get in some shows some of the best ones you have to sign up a, like a year in advance there's wow. a couple of shows that i keep forgetting to sign up for until the date has passed and then i go oh well <laughs> so they're like nine months of waiting for the thing to open back up again <laughs> um this is this this is a general rule of thumb and is not like in every time situation, I would say that comics conventions tend to be a little bit more masculine in tone mm. and they are often focused a lot on collecting comics and memorabilia by recognized names. Right. Whereas anime conventions tend to be a little bit more feminine 
and the people who frequent them tend to be a little bit more interested in finding unique art styles that they haven't seen before. So if you have more masculine art, comic cons tend to be a little bit better. Feminine art, anime cons tend to be a little better. You know, they're all different, but right. um, just from my observations, that seems to be, it seems to hold pretty well. Right. Um, and then of course I started going to comic conventions with some fan art that I had made. And I kind of changed a lot of characters into animals because I didn't want to have to worry about copyright stuff. And I wanted to come up with something that was a little bit, you know, more unique to me. So I like animals. Why not turn characters into animals? It sounds fun. Let's make Batman right. a real bat and Robin a real Robin and like pose. <laughs> and, um, and those were fun to do. But whenever I would look at them, they didn't feel right to me for some reason. And also I stopped wanting to do fan art to sell. Right. And so then I started thinking, well, do I even belong at comic conventions if I'm just making things that I enjoy that aren't based on intellectual property that's already been around for a while? Um, and so then I started thinking a lot more about more like fine arts shows, arts and crafts shows, the sort of okay. more traditional types of things. Um, but I also really like super bright pastel-y colors and kind of pop art styles. And I thought, well, right. do I belong in those types of shows either? <laughs> Where do I belong in this in this world? I don't know. <laughs> um, and so I've been slowly settling into this ground where um, I'm using more poppy styles, which are kind of comics related. And then I'm mm. using these really feminine pastel colors. Um, but I am also doing traditional artwork, a lot like a lot of the work that you see there, um, the bird and the tree, those are made with inks. So those are traditional works rather than being digital. Um, but then I also really like doing really weird things. I sort of like surrealism. Um, so like pastel surrealism is sort of something a way that I describe my work right and I still don't know whether going to comic slash anime conventions or going to gallery shows is more appropriate for my work so I'm just going to all of them <laughs> <laughs> um but I feel like people just you kind of just have to go to whatever shows you can get into and feel it out for yourself because it might be surprising you might have super feminine art and go to a super masculine feeling comics show and do great because you just connect to the people at those particular shows so you can't know until you go to them and and right. see this specific audience yes i think what you said is is, is brilliant where you just uh when, once you kind of define your brand then finding the home of where it best from you know marketing that brand would look at because looking at your upcoming shows you got an arts festivals you got a comic and toy show you got uh, a gallery exhibition. You got your mm -hmm. Galaxy Con. So it's it's really cool to see that you're you know you're expanding out your footprint in a way to, mm -hmm. to find what's what best is for that brand. But then as as you say too, it's it depends on the day. It depends on what else is going on that weekend as well. So sometimes right. just the the weather. It was cold mm -hmm. once, 
and nobody showed up to a convention that was supposed to be like the big convention of the year. This is a big <laughs> and everybody was going, man, this is usually a great convention, but because it's raining, nobody's coming. <laughs> Why? And then there's been other shows where it's raining and people are super dedicated and they've got like giant parkas over their cosplays and they're, they're ready to go and they want to come in and buy comics. Right. And <laughs> so, so talk to us about, cause I'm, I'm giving you credit for it, even though you said before the show that it wasn't your original thought, but I see it's a, it's the original thought on the show. So here is like when you talked about how do you utilize social media and, and how do you do it as an artist to make sure that you're utilizing social media and not social media is utilizing you? So I was thinking about that a lot recently because I saw a video by, and he told me his name before the show, but I can't remember it now. It's truthless. Oh yeah, Struthless. So yeah, he's he's an Australian um, YouTuber who does art and talks a lot about mental health. And so of course he's right on brand for me. I like listening to his stuff a lot. But he he had a video recently that was asking, um, "Are you creating art or are you creating content?" And that was a question that I've been struggling with for you know five six years trying to figure out how do I make artwork when I feel like I need to be spending more time building up my brand on social media. But then if I'm spending time on social media, I'm not creating the artwork that is my brand. Right. So I feel like sometimes I'm advertising something that doesn't exist. And I hate that feeling. Right. And, um, so I have been creating a lot more work in the past few months than I have for a long time because I stopped thinking about, is this going to do well on social media? Sometimes I don't take photos of anything while I'm working on it because I just want to focus on what I'm working on. Um, and it's kind of, I'm still trying to figure out when do I, when do I film my right. creation? When do I, record the process and when do I just sit down and make the art because um, the art is what's most important to me not the the so-called content creation of, of trying to come up with something to put on social media um, I would rather have you know a good piece of artwork than a mediocre piece of artwork and video on social media um, and that gets me thinking too about like social media for creators is a it's a, a platform for marketing. Um, ideally, you would put your work out there and then people would see it and then people would come and support you. Um, but there's other ways of doing that. And a lot of them involve like what we were just talking about, going to shows, going to um, galleries and getting things put up in galleries. It's a different type of audience, but it's still an audience. And I feel comfortable so far um making physical pieces of work and framing them for a gallery um but it just i don't i don't know how to describe it it feels very correct and i don't know if it's just because i come from a fine arts background and it's just like going back to my roots as a fine artist but um but yeah it's just it's a, social media can be a really good tool but if you are using it in a way that is detrimental to what you're trying to make, then it's right. not a good tool anymore. Right. That our artists, classically speaking, you know, 50 years ago, that your audience was limited based off of 
who has access to see it. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, are artists getting distracted by the ease of sharing your work? Are you marketing or are you sharing? Are you creating content or are you creating art? There's mm -hmm. What's your thoughts on where do you see social media and the artist in the next five years? There's already been a trend of people trying to not necessarily pull away from the digital world hmm. because we still express ourselves through the digital world in a lot of cases. Um, but do you know what, what cottagecore is? No. It's a it's it's a style like a clothing home decor style that's very cottagey. It's very um, like handmade objects and simplicity and nature and things like that. And it's it's a really cute style. I really like it. I think it's it's very cozy feeling. It's sort of when I see it, it feels like you're out in the middle of a cabin in the woods and you're like sipping tea and the birds are singing. It's kind of what it, what it feels like. And it's, and it's very popular with Gen Z and millennials right now. And I think it's because it's not the antithesis of digital media, but it's sort of a balance to it. Like we live in a world where we kind of have to be on the internet to some degree in order to function because right. everything gets put on the internet nowadays. Um, but the internet and computers for, you know, home, home use have not been around for that long in the history of humanity. It's a really, really new thing. And I think that it has caused humanity to sort of move a bit quicker than maybe we were designed for. Um, and there are a lot of people who are recognizing that and feeling how burned out we are as a society and how quickly things seem to be moving when we don't feel like we have the energy to move that fast. And a lot of people are sensibly, I think, pulling back a bit from that. Um, it's something I'm trying to do, but I will admit that social media can be very addictive. There's times when I find myself doom scrolling or earlier today I was sitting on my couch and I was thinking I should get up and do something and I wanted to but I was on Instagram and I had seen the same posts that I was scrolling through already right but I was looking at them some more and you know just, just there might be something new this time right there might be something really interesting this time yeah. maybe this one will have a link that will lead off somewhere else that will lead me somewhere else that will be interesting and it wasn't for like 10 minutes. It wasn't interesting. And it was the same stuff over and over again. And I finally went, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I could be making like a delicious snack for myself. I could right. be drawing something. I could be watching something that actually is interesting to me. But instead, I'm just kind of going like this. <laughs> and um, uh, that's one i mean that's one reason i'm personally trying to figure out ways to market that don't necessarily involve being on the internet or if they do that they're just easier things to manage right um so if enough people have that recognition and have the real 
desire to pull back from the fast-paced world and try to use digital tools as tools instead of us being used by them. Right. Um, I could I can see people trying to come up with like still using social media, but trying to be a little bit more responsible about the use of social media. And I don't, I don't see the platforms doing it because the platforms are literally designed to keep us addicted to them. Um, because we are the products, you know, we're the ones that are, that are clicking on the ads and things that are paying these social media sites to exist in the first place. Do you, do you, do you then see in the next five years, almost to a point where we are, we're heading in a direction where we're creating more of an analog art society and back to where we were instead of a digital art society in a way. Yes. And I don't know if that's just hopeful thinking because that's kind of what I would like. Right. <laughs> I want, I want the internet and social media to be used as a place where I can discover people that I would not otherwise be able to discover because there are artists that I love looking at their work and they live in, you know, the other side of the U S for me or on the other side of the world for me, I never would have seen their work if it wasn't for the internet. So I'm grateful for it. Um, I appreciate social media for that, but I don't want in my personal daily practice for social media to become my goal. Mm. I want art to be my goal. And if social media serves my art, then that's great. But if social media becomes my goal, as it has in some times in my life, even super recently, um, then I don't, I don't want that. Right. I don't want to be like a, a social media person. I want to be an artist. So finding that balance is just, it's really tricky. It's right. a tricky balance. Yeah. Cause you, you always talk about like, like feeding the algorithm, you have to do certain things in order for the, the platform to reward you with views and I don't, I don't like that. It feels kind of exploitative um, on the part of the creator. Like we're just trying to show people our stuff and you're telling us that we have to make more stuff for people to see our stuff at all. And some of the stuff we have to make to fill that quota is not going to be as good as the stuff that we want to make. <laughs> it's a lot. It, it's like you say, it takes the heart out of you're, you're making art for art. You're not making content so it is and how 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 important do you see it as the benefit of it is of, of of social media in some in some aspects if it's done well is that you're creating a community for your brand mm -hmm. how do you balance the the ability to have your potential audience discover you while still being true to not just creating content for content purposes. I'm still in the middle of trying to figure that out. <laughs> so I can tell you my ideal. I could tell you what yeah. I would like to. <laughs> right. um, my unproven ideas. Um, that's one reason I started the my blog actually. Right. It's a place that I control. So if I get on my blog to write a blog post, that's the only thing I can do. I'm not going to end up like doom scrolling over here and getting distracted over here. Um, and I don't know how successful that will end up being, but I do enjoy writing long form content and 
a lot, I have a lot of ideas and things that I want to say and things that I want to teach people and I can't do it on places like Instagram where there's only so much space and people right. aren't on Instagram to read, you know, long essays about art. <laughs> They're there to just look at a picture and go, oh, that's nice. And then yeah. part it and move on to the next one. There's also trying to kind of in a similar vein, do a little bit more with my, my Patreon because in my eyes, if somebody is willing to, you know, pay five bucks a month to hear things that I have to say. I want to give them something interesting. Right. Um, and then my newsletter sort of similarly, the the difference between the three of those is something I'm struggling with too, because they all feel like, oh, I'm, I'm writing things and I'm sharing images that I wouldn't share in other places, but what makes them different and how do I reward these people and how do I give these people something? So, um, but in all those places, they're like my places, they're places that I control. And if somebody really likes my work, they step into those spaces rather than being in sort of this communal echoey loud room with a bunch of other voices talking. I am not trying to stick to a schedule when it comes to posting on social media anymore. Um, I tried and failed for <laughs> a long time because I would post, you know, some good stuff maybe three or four times. And then I would go, oh, no, I'm out of content. What do I do? Let me, like, post a picture of, like, I don't know, my cat. <laughs> of my cat. I love posting pictures of my cat. <laughs> but most of the time when I'm posting a picture of my cat, it's because I'm panicking that I haven't posted something in a few days. And I'm like, I got to put something up. Because the algorithm, because I have to. People will forget that I exist unless I post something. So my cat ends up <laughs> going up. <laughs> I am trying to be content hmm. with saying, I now have something cool to show you. Right. So here it is. Right. Instead of saying, I don't have something cool to show you. What do I do? Right. And panicking about it. Because <laughs> that's no fun. That's no right. fun. I don't like that. And um, you... And you kind of reach, you, and I like I like what you said too about how important like Patreon is because that kind of goes mm -hmm. in in line with when when you're with your blog we were talking about finding your thousand true fans, yeah, is discovering those people that that want to support you, and how do you break through the noise on that? And as you say, some of it is it's relational, you know, it's relational, you know, you're mm -hmm. creating creating relationships with with people, and this is where especially in our post pandemic world, we really missed out on those human connections. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see something when you went, what was when your first convention, right? You just went to galaxy con and your mm -hmm. expectation, the other ones were how rapidly excited were people or were they kind of standoffish when they were able to get into a group setting again? Um, it was a mix. I didn't feel the same level of, of like rabid excitement that I've seen before, but like big conventions are very tiring for people. For me, they're very tiring. Um, and especially in conventions where there's a lot of, of children, like kids that are in elementary, middle, high school. Um, it's very overwhelming. It's sort of, it's really exciting at first. And then once you get through a certain chunk of it, it's almost like static. You're like, this is really cool, but I'm so tired. <laughs> I've already talked to so many people and like poked so many things that I want to buy and I can't buy. Right. <laughs> how, how important is it for you too, as going to the, these going to the conventions is 
networking as compared to finding new readers or subscribers? They're kind of the same in theory because people who are attending conventions are often pretty creative. Right. Um, even if they don't have a table or if they don't do it professionally, there are a lot of people who are interested in, um, in writing and drawing or cosplay. So many like really talented costume makers and performers that come through, like some of them are ridiculously good. Um, and you never know, you might have some dad who walks up who doesn't look like he could, like he's not interested at all. And suddenly you find out that he's like super, super into like Star Trek and you start talking to him about Star Trek and you start like, he's like, oh yeah, I actually met this guy once that worked on the show and he told me this and you're like, that's so cool. So you can get like really cool stories and um, like tidbits of information and pieces of advice from anybody. It doesn't matter if they're you know, a vendor or not. Um, but the relationship is a little bit different because when a guest comes up to my table, we're in a seller customer relationship. And I, I want to be like, I'm friendly to everybody who comes up. I don't care if people don't buy something from me. Like having a nice conversation is like, I enjoy that a lot. Um, but there still is like, it feels like a little bit of a barrier sometimes. Um, Whereas if I'm going over and I'm talking to another artist, the conversation is almost immediately just like, oh, you're a vendor too? Like, oh, that's cool. Like, what kind of stuff do you do? Like, oh, what, kind of, what kind of things are you selling? Like, that's really cool. How's the con going for you? Like, you making good sales? Is everything going really well? Okay, well, if you need anything, just let me know. Like, oh, you, know, you can go to them and be like, I need duct tape or like my, my the stands were falling over. Right. Um, so what was something new that you that you did this that this year that mm -hmm. you wanted to try out any new products or or new because I know you did something with the with the three word the three word challenge or something those like that. Those were fun. Yeah. Talk <laughs> to us about, about a bit about those. Um I tried them for the first time at the last convention that I did at the very very beginning of 2020. And it was a random idea that I came up with while I was sitting at the convention out of a desire to save battery life on my phone because I use it for doing my the card reader. And I know that if somebody asks me to do a commission of a character, I have to look up that character. Right. And then I have to keep my phone screen on and look back and <laughs> forth and make sure I'm looking at reference. And I thought, well, if I'm doing, if I'm offering commissions, and I have to keep looking up references for things, then my phone battery is gonna run out. And then I might not have my card reader. And how can I draw things without having <laughs> these references just constantly the whole time? Like, you know, a couple references real quick, but like, I don't wanna have to look at them for too long. Um, and I don't remember exactly how I came up with the idea, but I thought like, oh, I love doing character designs. And there was a YouTube challenge that I used to do years ago. I kind of want to bring it back because it was a lot of fun where I would have people give me criteria on Instagram, mm. like colors, shapes, animals, weather patterns, uh, whatever else. <laughs> and um, I would figure out what they were right before I started the live stream. And then I would have about an hour to come up with a character design based on those words. Mm -hmm. So I came up with all kinds of random crazy things. It was super fun to do. And I think that it was related to that. I thought, well, what if I just get criteria from people? I tell them to give me three words. Yeah. And I'm going to create a character design based on those words. 
Um, and I got some crazy ones that year. It was so fun to do. And so, of course, when I went back to GalaxyCon this this past one earlier this year, I thought, I've got to do that again. Because that was mm. super, super fun. <laughs> How does branding affect your desire to do artwork? Meaning, have you been in a position where you're like, well, it doesn't really fit my brand, but I really want to draw this. Or I really want to do this. How would that? I need that. How would that work for you? Um, fortunately for me, my brand is me. So mm. whatever I decide I want to do just becomes like, okay, that's what Studio Hana is now. It's it's this. Right. Um, originally, I called I called it Studio Hana because when I was in college, we were coming up with our you know our very first websites as <laughs> little artists, and I was trying to come up with a name that would, um not get old super quickly mm. and that wasn't specifically only about graphic design because mm. I was a graphic design major but I was fully into illustration and wanting to do other things even back then and so I just thought you know studio Hana <laughs> my name simple the URL is still available <laughs> <laughs> might as well buy that one um and it's worked well because I have used that name to get um, like full-time jobs. It was a portfolio site for mm. the longest time. That's all it was. And then I was like, well, I've got a job. So I'll just like make it into more of a gallery. Like I'm an artist. So let me put up my work here. Right. And then I started getting into selling my work and I thought, well, okay, I've got to add a shop to it now so that people can buy things online. And it's not just in, you know, the five conventions that I go to a year or however many it is. Right. Um, and now it's sort of a hybrid of all of those things. I want to be able to show off the work that I am capable of doing, the work that I enjoy doing, and the work that people can purchase. Right. Um, and I also sort of call it my hub, that which is why I wanted to have a blog on there as well. I want you to be able to go to you know studiohana.com, and that will take you anywhere else that you need to go. Right. Um, do I want to tell you about my YouTube channel? Here's a link for it. Do you want to go shop for my stuff? Here's a link. Do you want to know what conventions I'm going to later this year? Here's some information. But when I started embracing pastels, I right. sort of dropped the, I had sort of a turquoise and orange theme for a while, which I liked, um, yeah. but it stopped feeling correct for me. So I went back, you know, the, the colors that are on my website are the same colors painted on my wall back here pretty I much. I do, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so as you bring that up, how, how important is it to, standardize say like font and mm. color and 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 design when it comes in to terms branding. of making a website and or in branding in general in branding yeah. yeah okay um so with a do you do my my whole like i'm a graphic design major yeah see there uh -huh. you go <laughs> <laughs> okay so for people who are are not as familiar with branding and graphic design branding is basically just a word that means how do people feel about your company? And, and that's everything. Mm. Um, it's a logo, but it's also how you communicate with people in social media. Are you sassy? Are you kind? Are you super helpful? Are you kind of dry, but like technical? Um, it's the colors. How do the colors make you feel? Are they dark? Are they light? Are they um, like crazy? Are they more toned down? Um, the, in, the types of images that you use, how those images are edited, um, the fonts that you use, everything sort of comes together and becomes this 
this feeling about right. about the brand. Um, so if I say like Apple, Apple has very, very clean lines. If you look at their website, it's predominantly white, black, and gray. Um, they want you to focus less on the poppiness of their website and more on the products, which are also a lot of black, white, and gray with a little bit of color here and there every once in a while um, because they're very like clean and technology-based. Um, I would say, how do you want people to feel when they are interacting with your brand? What problem are you solving for them? And can your brand evoke a little bit of that in it? Like, do they look at your brand and say, I think this person might be able to solve my problem. Um, and everything that you choose from the colors to the text to the imagery and stuff is going to feed into that. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's like right and wrong things you can do. There's definitely certain fonts that are very taboo that you shouldn't use in your branding. Like, you know, Comic Sans is kind of, kind of one of the big ones that people like to, to make fun of and stuff. <laughs> it has a purpose, but it was used incorrectly so often and so much that it has just become like a sore spot for designers. It's not that it's like an evil font or anything. It's just you use things appropriately where they belong. Um, and like, it's weird seeing a bereavement card written in Comic Sans that does not feel like the right place to <laughs> using that font. <laughs> so like with logo design, you can use crazy fonts as long as they're still readable. Right. Um, and as long as they evoke that feeling of, of what you want your brand to be, right. um, which is, is hard. It's not an easy thing to figure out if you don't have like either just a, a naturally good eye for branding, or if you have been trained taking class or, you know, watching good YouTube videos, there's a plenty, plenty of free online, right. um, learning opportunities for stuff like that. Um, so it's like it's branding is a lot of moving elements, but as long as you are making something when you look at it, you think this is evoking the correct feelings that I want my viewers to have, then you're probably on the right course. If you're looking at your branding and you're thinking, oh, this feels kind of kind of off. Like I want I want it to feel really like friendly. So I don't know why I'm using like black and red because that doesn't really feel friendly, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. But maybe you want it to feel really like epic or something. You want to you have like a little bit of a gritty feel to it. And so then black and red could be like a great color combination for it. Right. It really depends. Wow. Well, see, you know, we're, we're already at our hour point already. <laughs> Jeez, see? So listen, you got to come back on maybe at near the end of convention season, just to maybe do a do a recap on on how it went. And um, so, if people are interested in learning more about your artwork, they can go to studiohana.com. Dot right? com. Yep. Okay. <laughs> good. And so, where can people find you if people are interested in going to your Patreon page? They can. That's also on your Studio Hana that you have. Yeah. Uh, my on. Um... My info page, I should have my social media um, somewhere. Wait, do I not have that on there? No. Uh, yes, I do not. Okay, I've got to I've got to update that then. Um, I think Patreon.com/slash/StudioHanaArt. Okay. 
would All be right. my Patreon page. Um, and I, I recently switched it over from being multi-tiered to only being a $5 tier just to kind of keep things simple. Right. Um, I post, um, I'm going to be posting bi-weekly, um, just like more behind the scenes sort of things. Right. I want to do some more raw videos as well. So just like things that I won't share with other people unless you're on my Patreon, but just turning a camera on my face and saying, Hey, I'm working on something really cool today. Let me show you. And like <laughs> showing off some some neat things that other people don't get to see. Um, so that'll be fun. <laughs> cool. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. It was great. Yeah, it was great you. checking in with you again and just and just hearing about all your great successes you've done over the last couple of years. So Thanks. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll definitely come on again after the shows because I'm sure I'll have some interesting things to talk about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. time i go to like say like a doctor's office they always have hgtv on there because that is like the most like apolitical television like channel like you can't <laughs> and it's just all about like i'm just like sitting there just like fascinated by like a gardening show or like a redesign show i'm like mm -hmm. that's amazing like i'm looking <laughs> it's really interesting to watch those types of shows and i've been a big fan since i was a kid we used right. to sit around like eating pizza and watching um Oh goodness, what was that one called? Where they're like, move that bus and the bus would move over. Oh, uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Extreme Makeover Home Edition, yes. Yeah. So we'd watch a lot of that.